0: Doing a sit, fam? Oh no, we're gonna do that again. How are we doing a sit, fam? Yes, I don't know. I'm feeling like this side may be my side. I'm feeling drawn over here. Yes, oh, we got the kings in the building. Okay, okay. Well, I am so excited. To share with you all today. And I love that Ascent is a growing church. There are so many new faces here. So for those of you that don't know me, my husband and I, Maurice Cox, who I will often refer to as my boo, moved here from California a little over two years ago, and he's actually on staff here. And my heartbeat here at Ascent is, of course, sharing Jesus in any capacity, but serving the women here through the gathering and, of course, walking through life with some of the most amazing high school and now college girls, so shout out to any of them. I don't have my glasses on, so I can't see y'all. So yeah, Thanksgiving just passed. And did everybody have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah, yeah, pants a little tight this morning, yeah, no. Okay, I didn't get on the scale, it's fine. Um, So all of our family is in California, so what Maurice and I do is we get to spend Thanksgiving with our family, and that's what I call Those people in our life, those friends who are like family to us. So it was really good. It was amazing. And I don't know about all of you, but I just felt like I was constantly in a food coma on Thursday, which is not normal for me. And I actually felt like I had a freaky Friday situation, but a freaky Thursday with my husband because I would be up one moment and I would be down the next. I would be wide awake, and then i just feel my eyes drifting. And if you don't know my husband, if you don't understand the connection here, yes. Over here, they know already, so I'm going to go this way. His spiritual gift is sleeping. The man can sleep anywhere. He's the king of naps, y'all. He can be down for 20 minutes, and it's like the most recharging thing. We've been on mission trips. He's fell asleep on the bus. I'm not going to say where else. He's fell asleep here around the church. It's just, you know, we got to pray for Maurice, y'all. But I just felt like my husband. And backing it on up to the food for Thanksgiving, you know, food is essential for Thanksgiving. And I wanted to share with you all two things that really cause an uproar on the internet. And I personally feel that they're unacceptable. So Jess, let's show them what I'm talking about. Pumpkin spice hot wings. (laughs) Okay, so I get that pumpkin spice is like the beloved flavor of fall, but no, not feeling it. We're going to keep the pumpkin spice to the drinks and the sweets because ain't nobody got taste buds for that. I just don't know. Pumpkin, Mm mm-mm, yeah. Next one, Jess. You guys have about three seconds to tell me what is wrong with this picture. And I heard from last service that some people said that's a normal turkey for them, so... All right, three seconds is up. If I have to zoom, if I have to pull out a magnifying glass to find the seasoning on the turkey, y'all, then we probably got to add some more seasoning because where I come from in California, I'm not going to see, like, any of that light pink. It's covered. It's smothered. It's drenched. It's popping. It's delicious. It's good. So, yeah, the turkey... 10, 15 pounds on average, you're going to need more than a dash of this and a pinch of that. So that's just something I had to get off my chest. I had a little Kanye moment, but we good now. <sighs> All right, y'all. I feel like, you know, 10.30 is my service. I'm awake now. I see a lot of my people in the building. Anytime I speak up here, I'm going to say this every single time. I love to interact with y'all. I love it when you talk back to me. I love my amen corner. I have a feeling it's over here. Amens, you go girls. Yes, come on somebody. Whatever, I'm here for it. You just have to know that, okay? Okay, okay. Yes! Who is that? I need my glasses. Thank you. Um, So for the past few weeks, we've been in this series called Recharge, where we've been walking through the book of Philippians each week. And the first week... um, Bill, who I call Uncle Bill, he's one of the pastors here, he started us off with this analogy saying how very much aware we all are of the battery percentage that's on our phones. I can tell you mine right now is like at 73%. And I actually left it in my seat, but it's fine. But how aware are we of the battery percentage that we are operating on in our own lives? And I couldn't get this analogy out of my head and then, I'm in my phone and I'm bored, and I go to the settings section, and I realize if you are Team iPhone, if you're something else, I don't know, but just try to listen because there's there's value in this. So I go to the battery section, and in that it will tell you what percentage each app is draining of your battery. And I actually, have a screenshot to show you guys. So for me wow, and I can't even read it with my glasses, but I know what's up there. It's YouTube, it's Apple Music, it's Notes, and Instagram would definitely be on there. Just when I took the screenshot, I wasn't on that week. So yeah, those are the things that drain my phone battery. But then I started thinking about my own life. What is really draining my battery? What is really draining me? And I narrowed it down to two things. One, finances or lack thereof. And all the adults in the building can say amen because y'all should fail me on this. I don't have enough. I want more, I need more. How am I supposed to pay this bill when it was unexpected it's not in the budget? How do I better manage what I have? How am I supposed to make do with what I have? Ooh, Jesus, how am I supposed to pay tuition with what I have? Yes. I'm going back to this section. I'm going to slide. (laughs) See, I get too excited. Bill, Bill telling me to get excited and loosen up. So I got to think for a second where I'm at because I got excited with that amen. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so one is finances. And the second one is circumstances, y'all. Something unexpected happens and bam your battery's drained. Or opposition knocks at your door and your battery is drained like that. Y'all, when opposition knocks, we don't start singing the threes Company theme song. Come on, knock on my door. We've been waiting for you. No, I haven't been waiting for you. Why are you here? Everything was good until you showed up. That's how I feel about opposition. It's a little personal for me, y'all. I just don't like it. Or maybe for you it's the mundane of the routine, doing the same thing, not having any variation. It's the same thing, and that's draining your battery. Or maybe it's even certain circumstances that you deal with often that cause you to wrestle with feelings like anxiety and depression and fear and doubt So, there's an acronym that I want to introduce to you all today. And that acronym is CREAM. So, I'm a 90s baby. I love the 90s. I know it's an era that I personally would have thrived in. I love the fashion, the TV, the music, everything. And, you know, when I do my sermon prep, a lot of times God gives me songs and, you know, things from like TV and film. So he gave me this acronym that's actually from a very popular 90s hip-hop song and it kind of sums up what we're going to be talking about today. So the first phrase that this acronym stands for is cash rules everything around me, cream. The second one, God gave me this one, circumstances rule everything around me. And I feel like myself, a lot of us will fit in those two. A lot of us will wrestle with those two, whether it's finances, something in that area that's draining us, or something that's going on in our life or in our family or someone that we really care about that is going to drain our battery. And Paul has a little secret that he is going to fill us in today. And... I'm so excited to dive into that. So pray and we'll go right in. God, I just thank you so much for your presence. I thank you, God, for your love. I thank you that you are the living God who speaks to your children. I thank you, God, that your word says that your sheep know your voice, God. So I pray, Lord, that you would speak in such a personal way to every person that is here this morning, God. I have things that I feel you've given me to say, but if you want me to say something else, Lord, I'm so open to it. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we'll be in Philippians 4, and that's actually my favorite chapter in the book of Philippians. And it's a book that has so much wisdom in it, like there's so many different things that I could have pulled from from Philippians 4. And the passage that I'm going to be talking about today is actually something that I have overlooked so many times before. It has never popped out to me, not once, um, until a few weeks ago. But first, I want to give you guys a little bit of context of where we are in Philippians 4. So Paul is in prison. He's writing a letter to a group of people called the Philippians. And he is thanking them for a gift that they gave him. And he is encouraging them in their faith. And we're going to start off at the 10th verse. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. All right, so we're going to press pause real quick. Just a few moments ago, I said that one of the reasons Paul wrote this letter was because he wanted to encourage the Philippians. But you know what's odd to me? How is someone in prison, someone that's in bondage, encouraging people who are free? And then I started to put myself in in Paul's shoes, and I realized the very two things that I narrowed down to be the things that are draining my battery are very relevant to where Paul is right now. So let's talk about the obvious, his circumstances. He's in jail, y'all. That's unexpected. That wasn't on his to-do list. That wasn't on his bucket list. That wasn't something he was planning for. That brings opposition. It brings limitation. Circumstances. And then finances. He in jail, so he ain't got no money. Who gonna put some money on his books? Any of you? Hmm? No money. How does he get resources to further God's work, to do what he's been doing before he was in prison? How does he meet his basic needs if he doesn't have any money? So it's weird. So he has the circumstances element, and he has the finance element. But you know what? My boy Paul doesn't seem to be drained at all. I'm not seeing that in this text. And actually in the book of Philippians, he mentions the concept of joy and rejoicing 16 times. So I'm like, bruh, how do you do it? So let's keep reading. I am not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to be in plenty. Paul is able to thrive in challenging circumstances and not be drained because he has learned how to be content. And old philosophers back in Paul's day, when they used the word content, they would use it to say self-sufficient. I'm good on my own. I can make things happen by myself. I don't have to rely on anybody. And you know what? Young guy she used to be like that too, so I feel that. But what Paul is actually talking about in this passage, it's not about being self-sufficient. It's about being God-sufficient. It's about knowing that what I need is in Christ Jesus and in Christ alone. Thank you, uncle. There was also another, ver- um, another definition of content that I really love that I found online. And it says, being satisfied with what one is and with what one has. I have to say that very slowly because it's a tongue twister and I was choking up last service, so I'm going to keep it nice and mellow. Being satisfied. There it is. See? See? But that's all right. I can't preach in my own strength. I preach with Jesus. We're going to try this one more time. Being satisfied with what one is and with what one has. We can be content because we are all sons and daughters of the living God. There's a passage in the book of Romans, and it talks about how we did not receive a spirit of bondage, receive a spirit of slavery that causes us to be fearful. It says that we've received a spirit of adoption, adoption to sonship that allows us to cry out, Abba, Father. So I can be content because my God is good, not because my circumstances are good, but because I have a good, good father. Can I get an amen because I'm feeling that thing. Y'all ain't talking to me. And speaking of good father. Oh, thanks. All right, I may rap because I feel like a rapper when I hold this. A rapper who loves Jesus. Ooh, it's stuck in my hair, y'all. Commercial break. I got yeah, that's just gonna hang. We're just gonna flip that back. <laughs> Don't mind. I'm just cheat my angles. Angles is everything, y'all. All right. So, speaking of good father, I am blessed with one of the best mothers in the world. And that's just my personal bias opinion. Um, I love my mom, and she's not here. And I'm older now, so I may tell her, but. As a teenager, this is something I would like never, ever tell her. Y'all, my mom was right about 95% of the things that we talked about. And I'm not sure, I am sure that I am not the only person who has this story. But as a kid, I was obsessed with superheroes, and I was obsessed with fire, specifically the stove in the kitchen. And I remember my mom, she would always tell me, don't touch the stove, you're going to burn yourself, it's hot. And like a part of me is like, okay, I hear you. I hear what you're saying, but I still want to touch it. And I remember a time I almost got so close to touching it, and my mom, she doesn't play no games at all. I love her. I would say it's my best friend, but at the same time, she could check me like nobody else could check me, and it's kind of scary. So what she'll do is... When I got that close, she'll break my name down into two syllables, and she'll give me this kind of Dwayne The Rock Johnson signature eyebrow, but it's like super intense. So she'll be like, "Aisha," And I'm like, ooh, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, mommy. Long story short, I just waited till she left. So I went in the kitchen, I touched the stove, and you know what? My mama was right. It burned, it hurt, never did it again. But my mom simply telling me that, it didn't really, it didn't really like hit me, it didn't really impact me, you know. But it was experiencing that burn that stuck with me. Stuck with me so much that on Thanksgiving, um, I was at one of my girls' house and they were like touching the candle with their finger. And I'm like, oh no, and they're like, it doesn't burn. I'm like, I can't do it because I learned my lesson. And I feel like the book of Philippians, it tells us about being content. It lays out the principles. But I believe that there is a story in the Bible about someone who had to walk out contentment in hopeless and heartbreaking circumstances. This person had everything everything you could want, everything you can need. And in an instant, it was all gone. And this person is Job. And I'm going to tell you all his story. So Job, he's a man of faith. Job got it going on, y'all. He has the biggest mansion in California. And he also has the biggest mansion in Boulder. He has 10 kids and they all graduated from Harvard. He has a beautiful wife. When I say beautiful, I mean beautiful, like wow. Do we know if she got surgery or not? I don't know, but we don't judge here, so that's irrelevant. (laughs) That is irrelevant to the facts, to the case. He has several properties. He has all the exotic cars, none of which I know their names because all I know is Toyota Camry. So Job is living his best life, truly. And Satan approaches God, you know, he's looking for somebody to, to tempt. He's looking for somebody who he can get to curse God. So God suggests Job. It's like, why don't you try my boy Job? He is so faithful. He prays every morning at 6 a.m. He's always on time to church. i got to work on that myself. Job is my guy. And then Satan's like, well, yeah, Job is your guy because look at his life. He has everything. He's never had to want for anything. His business is booming. His family is incredible. But I bet if you took that all away, I bet he curse you. I bet he wouldn't be your, your boy then. So God gives the enemy permission to test Job. And he says, you can do whatever you want with his possessions, but do not lay a hand on him. So again, are you helping me? Yep, I okay. you All right. So again, Job living his best life. He has everything. And then by the end of the day, and this is really awkward. Love you. Give it up for my man, Maurice. I love you, boo. You make me better. So much better. Love that guy. As I was saying, Job had it all, and in an instant, it was gone. All his kids, all ten of them were killed. All his property destroyed. He didn't have a single thing. And I want us to look at what he says after this happens, after everything is stripped from him. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. He had a Britney Spears moment. Then he fell to the ground in worship. You know what Job could have done and what most of us would have done after experiencing such great loss, experiencing such great grief, and losing everything that he's worked hard to maintain, to have, to build, to build a legacy for his family, we would have asked God, why? God, why would you allow this to happen to me? God, I'm faithful. I do the right things. Why is this happening to me? But instead of focusing on his circumstances, and being consumed in them, he drops to the ground and worships. And one of the things I wanna highlight from Job's life is that contentment shifts your perspective. Contentment shifts your perspective. And what makes this verse so powerful to me is that Job didn't try to conceal his grief. Ripping his clothes and shaving his head in those times was symbolic of grief. And I love that he did that, then he worshipped. And I know many of us in this room, we think it's the people that are on TV and on the movie screens that are the actors. But if we're honest, a lot of us are really good actors too. We know how to put on that smile when our heart is filled with pain inside. We know how to put on that mask as soon as we leave home. Some of y'all don't brush your teeth, but you put your mask on. We know how to answer questions in a certain way so people won't be able to figure out what's really going on with us. We have those robotic responses. And we have to learn to take our eyes off of our circumstances and look to God because Job did that and he had a heavy heart. He had a heart that was grieving, but he was still able to worship, to say, God, you're good. Not because my circumstances are good, but simply because that's who you are. You are a good God. You're the God who sent Jesus here because you so loved me so much. You so loved the world so much that you gave your son. He's the God who says he will never leave you nor forsake you. He's the God that will give you peace that surpasses all understanding. It shouldn't make sense. I should be in a crazy house. I should be depressed. But my God will give me peace if I just focus on him? Sign me up for that. And one of the things that I I think of and I just see in my mind when I see Job with a shaved head and ripped clothes on his knees worshiping I think of the posture of surrender. Now I'm only working with one hand, so I'm going to need y'all to use y'all imagination. Imagine my other hand is up. This is symbolic for surrender. And I think it's very important that we learn how to surrender our perspective in our circumstances so we can receive God's perspective. And you know, when we do that, Then we can say things like what it says in Romans 8, 28. For we know God causes all things to work together for the good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. When we shift our respective and receive gods, we can say what Galatians says to us. To not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. We can say things like, I will boast in my weakness. I will boast in the fact that I stutter when I get a little nervous or when I forget my place. Because I know in my weakness, Christ's strength is made perfect. And there's a verse I wrote down and I wanted to make sure I said it correctly because it's a new verse to me. It's Romans 8.37. And it says... Despite all these things, despite what's going on in your life right now, despite the hardship, despite the tribulation, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus who loved us. We must surrender our perspective so that we can receive God's perspective. So, all that happened in chapter one, y'all. That's a whole lot of tea to spill. But I got more because we're moving on to chapter two. So now the enemy's like, okay, Job, I see you. You want to worship instead of complain and curse God. Well, I got something for you. So he approaches God again, and he's like, you know what? I know you said that I shouldn't touch him. However,. I think when I touch his physical body and I attack him that way, then he's definitely going to curse you. So God is like, all right, you can attack his physical body, but you cannot kill him. So within a few hours, Job is covered with nasty-looking boils from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. And at this point, you know, his kids are all gone, but for some wife, here we go again, but for some reason, his wife is still there. And after we read this passage, you're probably gonna see why. Let's look at what his wife had to say in this moment. Why do you still trust God? Why don't you curse him and die? Wow. Job replied, don't talk like a fool. If we accept blessings from God, we must accept trouble as well. In all that happened, Job never once said anything against God. Job is a real one. Job is hashtag goals. And Job actually makes a really good point. How is it that we want blessings from God and we'll attribute all that to him, but then we don't want to have no trouble in our life? We want everything to be perfect. We want to skip on the yellow brick road and eat rainbow cookies and eat butter cake from CPK. Or maybe that's just me because I love me some butter cake. But we want the good and we want to take a rain check on the bad. And I started to think about that. And that's like going through life expecting to only get the pink and the red Starbursts in the original packaging. You know you're gonna get a yellow and an orange. You're gonna get a few of them because they come in pairs. You can't avoid it at all in the original package. And many people assume that believing God will protect them from trouble. So when chaos comes, They begin to question God's goodness. They begin to question God's presence. Well, God, are you really there? But scripture tells us over and over again. I think of John 16 where it says, Jesus himself says, in this world, you will have tribulation. But fear not, for I have overcome the world." Y'all, it's going to happen. One of my favorite scriptures in James says, to count it all joy when you go through various trials. Not if, not possibly, not perhaps, when. So the last thing that I want to highlight from Job's life is contentment produces unwavering faith. Choosing to be content is an act of faith. See, adversity, it destroys superficial faith. So quick, it's like taking a thumbtack to a balloon. Pop and you're done. Because you can say God is good and praise him and all that, but when adversity hits, what is coming out of your mouth? What are you saying? What are you thinking? But when it But when adversity hits real faith, someone who has a solid foundation in God, it doesn't destroy them. It actually builds them up. It causes them to press in deeper to God, to press in deeper to prayer, to press in more and be more intentional when it comes to community, when it comes to serving. And unwavering faith... Means to be unshakable, to be so steady, to be firm, to be strong, to be consistent. Believing in God and trusting in God even when you don't understand. Believing in God and trusting in God even when it hurts. Going through and growing through your challenging circumstances. So, I want to speak to a moment for people in the room today who feel like I'm content, Aisha. And actually, I'm not really wrestling with anything right now. Things are good. I'm in a good season. Prayers are being answered. I got a promotion. I got a girlfriend. I got a bae. I am so good right now. And that's awesome. Praise God for you. And I think it makes, it's easier to understand why contentment is important when you're wrestling with things, when you're struggling with things. But contentment is also important when you're in that place of abundance. Like Job said in the text, when you're in that place of receiving blessings. And it's important because when you're in a place of abundance and things are good, You can tend to neglect God because you're not in that desperate place of need. You're not feeling hopeless. You are good. So a lot of times when we're in that abundance place, we can neglect the source. We can neglect our good, good father. And we can start instead of looking to him for help, looking to him for guidance, looking to him for wisdom and strategy and God, what do I do? we begin to turn inward and like, oh, I got this by myself. I haven't talked to God in for a while, and I'm doing really good, actually. So contentment in that place of blessings and abundance keeps you grounded. It keeps you humble, and it helps you to have the right perspective, to have a kingdom perspective. So if you've ever wondered, how do I grow more? How do you... I strengthen my faith. I firmly believe it's choosing to be content in any circumstance. See y'all, this message is very personal for me because I realized in my preparation that God has been trying to teach me contentment all year long. And I really didn't know that until I started preparing. I don't know if many of you can relate, but especially in the past few months, I feel like I get to this place of abundance and blessings, and things are great, and things are phenomenal, and prayers are being answered, and doors are being opened. And I'm like, yes, God. And then almost like Job, in an instant, things dry up. Nothing's happening. And then I start to feel the, the strain from different circumstances the strain from my finances you know my husband and I are our goal is to be in a house next year and just doing the math for that and that starts to pull on me and it makes me feel sometimes like I'm on a emotional or mental seesaw or teeter-totter I call it a teeter-totter and I'm up and I'm down and I'm up and I'm down and Paul lets us know, Aisha, I've learned the secret. I've learned how to thrive in any circumstance. It's to be content. It's to be content. And I don't know what you've been trying to endure I don't know what your circumstances have been like this week, yesterday, this year. I don't know what you've been wrestling with. But I wonder if, like me, you've been wrestling with a lot of discontentment and that up-and-down feeling, that up-and-down feeling. Things are good in your marriage and things are bad. You're getting along with your kids and then you're not. I feel like I'm doing a dance routine right now. got to stay stable. I want to encourage you that the secret that Paul is letting us in on for free is contentment. And y'all remember that acronym that I shared with you all earlier? If you guys don't remember what those other phrases stand for, that's cool. But I really pray this one really just sticks to your heart. And it's contentment rules everything around me. So if I could think about that, if you can think about that right now, Whatever's going on in your life, whether you're in the place of blessings or you're in the place of trouble, you're in the place of peace, or you're in the place of chaos, how do we do that? Looking to God. And I believe that you'll be surprised what will happen, how your life will transform when you begin to live a lifestyle of contentment. And how that will radically change your relationship with God. So I'm going to pray, y'all. And then we're going to worship. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you, God, for speaking to our hearts. Thank you, God, for challenging us. I Thank you, God, for encouraging us. I just thank you, God, that your word is alive and living and sharper than a two-edged sword. I pray, God, that the words that we talked about today will continue to echo in our hearts and echo in our minds, God. Help us to live a life of contentment. And I just want to encourage anyone in here today who has just been in a really rough space for a long time, I want to encourage you that seasons change. That a season is a temporary thing. Where you are right now is not where you're going to be forever. So God, I thank you for this word. I thank you that it has fallen on good ground and will take root in our hearts. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for being good to us. We thank you for being faithful, even when we were faithless. We love you, Dad. In Jesus' name, amen.